So we'll come back. We are coming to the end of this book slowly. So let's <laughs> what? Let's go through several paragraphs today. Eight months, uh, or maybe you <laughs> All right. So we are on page two ninety five. Yes. Yes. Okay. For audible prayer and tears, one must at the very least retreat to the solitude of the cell. This work has no place among the brethren. From the lives of the Holy Fathers, we see that those who had the opportunity did practice audible tears that inadvertently were heard across the walls of their cells, even though they took every precaution that all of their labors remained secret, known only to God. Just as the overabundance of vapor causes thunder during heavy rainfall, thus does the overabundance of sorrow in the soul discharge itself in weeping aloud with plentiful tears. This happened with the monk whose labors are described by St. Isaac the Syrian in his 10th sermon. After the thunder and rain, there is an especially fragrant atmosphere, and the soul, consoled of its sorrow and cooled down through tears, taste and a special quiet and peace from which, like fragrance from aromatic flowers, pure prayer begins and acts. Yeah. Oh, we are entering to area which is really, I think for us who live in the world, it's really difficult to achieve or to come to this time. But well, uh, it might cause temptation for us to read that with some kind of like curiosity and and but still have in somewhere in the back of our mind well this is not this for those in, uh, in monasteries who dedicate whole life to this but we this this would be not good approach we should have this aspiration to reach this spiritual heights we have to have this desire because we don't know what God's grace can uh, cause in us so let's never look at these spiritual heights when we we are talking about or we are reading about as a something that okay this is not for me the best belongs to everybody and while Many times it is up to us if we are able to create this environment in our lives which supports them or not. And many times it is our choice how we live our lives. And this our choice causes if we go fast and high or not. So uh, all the things we were able to talk about, you know, like before all this book, we can find that there are a lot of challenges there, a lot of things which we can do um, in our ascetical life, how we can adjust our life, and it is up to us if we accept these choices or not. That um, we hear many times. Uh, and we heard from him 
many times, for example, to try to simplify our lives. So it means to try to, with intention, to test test our uh, things which are our activities, what is present in our life, and to really think if this is something what we need, or if this activity doesn't push away uh, these um, opportunities to grow spiritually. You know, sometimes this is a problem that uh, we are taught or we are raised or, or there is a, this, this pressure on us that we measure or we look at our life as a productive or not and the measure of how much we do. And sometimes it is like to spend uh, some hour, two or three in doing nothing, we see that as a sin almost. But, but if this time is filled with this uh, effort to give soul time to calm down and to, and to redirect towards God, so it's very precious time. It's, I would say it's the best spent time in the day. And sometimes we have bad conscience when we allow ourselves this luxury, do nothing, and just to ponder our soul, our soul, or I just don't want be that that this this what I'm talking is not about this some kind of lazy time when we we which we spend in fantasies, you know, but to be like silent in front of God and really not to be involved even in this mental intellectual work just to be like child who is in this arm of mother you know and uh, just with peace and if we if we find these times you know so if we if we are able to remove some activities to find time for that it will be very beneficial for us. Very beneficial for us. And uh, um, this paragraph, he talks about something what seems like monastic work, that monks were doing this. Uh, we heard before that, that in the beginning you have to force yourself to tears, force yourself to this ascetical activity which would bring this contrition to your heart this sorrow, this pain in heart and, and that in the beginning you need to force yourself you know, to, to do this and, uh, and for sure you are not doing that in front of others how he said now that you have to go to like monks had to go to um, solitude of their cells but he says something that if we are doing that, so it is this this work, this labor, uh, slowly starts to bring something, and uh, 
these tears. Uh, so I Syrian, he says, I will try to transfer that, that he says, when you reach this area of tears, so you should know that your mind left the prison of this world and start to walk to new age, to start to work towards like kingdom. And at the time, soul starts to um, breathe different air, new and beautiful. And this moment when this true tear starts to flow. And it's similar because Briancino says about this uh, aroma, you can feel, and Briancino says, well, this is a different era. They are both are talking about the same sign, um, which, um, uh, which person is able to, to recognize or to feel. Well, let's let's continue, and it will be clear a little bit more. Because in general, it is very beneficial to learn the various types of monastic labor directly from the holy scriptures and the writings of the holy fathers. To try them out, to choose for oneself the work that will appear to be the most suitable. Per people are created with such variety; their abilities and qualities are so diverse that one and the same labor or method being practiced by several ascetics will act on each other, on each one's soul in a completely different way. For this reason, experience is necessary, as the apostle suggests, test all things, hold fast <coughs> what is good. Well, Blanchino, for sure, because he was not writing directly for months, but for bigger audience, and he realized, I, I'm sure that he added this paragraph here because he was aware that even people from the world will be reading that and they might be very confused. They might be, um, they might have this opposition in soul that, uh, well, it is not for me, it is, it is not because I'm not monk, none. But what he says now, it is something what, what is, should be in this box of tools for spiritual life. We should have this. And uh, it is like very old tradition in spiritual life, and especially it started in monastic life, that when young monks joined the monastery, so what they were doing, they were uh, talking to older monks. They were trying to to talk and to listen wisdom of those who were almost holy, almost perfect. Uh, St. Paisi from Manatos, he says that we should be like bees, that to go from one flower to another flower and to gather this nectar mm -hmm. nectar and then to make uh, honey and he says well there is no bee who just which uses just one flower for that that 
goes flower to flower and takes the most sweet stuff from the flower. And the same thing is for us that we should be like these bees to go. Well, it would be great if we have if we have some kind of uh, these this holy monks and this around us. Well, but we have this Holy Father, so it means that we read them with this intention to be like a bee. To one can give us one advice, another, another advice, and we should take it and transform it for our soul. We, it's, it's not good. And it was not even like in a, uh, in monasteries like that that uh, uh, we should be slaves of others' advices, you know, because if there is somebody who lived in some way life, I cannot do it in the same way because uh, we all are special, different, unique, and but we can take this advice and use in our life as we can, as it is available for us. So it means that, that it will be slightly different, but it serves as an as a inspiration. So we should really, when we read these books, we should be like this, be searching for this nectar the sweet stuff, something what we see that well, this would help me in my life and and to take it, transforming for conditions of my life and follow that. So he is giving probably to his uh, readers who were probably disturbed. Okay, well, I am not monk, I'm not nun, I cannot do this. He says, well. Do what you can, but take this good thing, good advice. And uh, another, like Isaac Syrian, I like him, so I am bringing him very often. You know, so <laughs> I'm sorry about it. But what was amazing uh, when you read the, his homilies, and many places he says that and gives a, this uh, advice: search for people who are just holy and who are close to God, because then you will get close to God too. This, he repeats this advice again and again, and, or he gives this warning, get away from people who are not giving you uh, these good impulses or good examples. Don't go there. Don't be friends with them. Don't go to their presence. You know. Now he would be accused that he's not enough inclusive or whatever. You know. But there is this spiritual, uh, uh, spiritual wisdom they gain. They knew that uh, sometimes. There is, there is a story uh, from uh, 
this collection of of stories from these desert fathers, and there was one monk who was trying to live in this sort um, silence, concentration garden. He was visited by a visitor who was trying to force him to answer some questions. And uh, so he asked him three times, four times, well, and this, this about the how to find God. And this monk answered him, you know, I was with God until you came. <laughs> you know, because This visitor came even he knew that this monk is keeping this style of life. And so he didn't come just from desire. He was just curious. Mm. He came and started to ask him and he broke this his environment. And this this monk said, Well, I was with God before you came, now I am not. So, well, anyway, so it is important, like in this, not only to read whole, this Holy Father and to take good advice for our life, but this advice, not only from Isaac Assyrian, but others, they say the same thing. Uh, really, in life, search for good company. We, we should search those people and to be in presence of those people and create these friendships with people who can help us to reach heaven. And this is this is very very important because I it might it might go like some kind against very popular um, order or challenge or advice that go among people and evangelize and everything. And well, I understand that, but it's very dangerous. Uh, especially, uh, I, I didn't like, I didn't know why, but I've always felt some kind of like resistance towards this inside. I, I did, didn't taste well for me. I didn't know why. But I remember that there was in Slovakia very big meeting during summertime. We have big camps, our Byzantine Catholic Church for young people, and usually. In good years, it was like together 2,000 young people in several like um, age groups. It was during the summer. And uh, I visited one once this, because my brother was in charge of this camp, so we went to see him, to visit him. And there was there was this this uh, this some kind of challenge given by one priest to a huge group of young people to go among their friends. 
because they say, well, you can show them and inspire them by your life. You know what, I think that I didn't feel well when I heard that and because I think that the opposite would happen. You know, because now uh, reading this, this advice of the Holy Fathers, look, they, even they reached like, like perfectness of life. They were afraid to go somewhere. They were afraid to go to world. There was one, I don't know, recently, on Facebook, you know, you have this post that they send these stories and so I don't remember the name but uh, from his life uh, was that he had to go from monastery and he didn't leave monastery for many many years and then because of um, medical or some kind of treatment he had to leave monastery and to go to hospital so he spent two days in the world in the city and then he turned back and he said, I was in the world two days and it took me two months to come back to senses. So, if those like mature and holy uh, people, if they feel this huge impact, how, how it is, if we don't have this, this fundament, it's difficult to resist, to not to be afflicted by the world. So I'm not saying now that to, to live world something, but it's very important that if we go, and we are in the world, but it's very important if we have our own some kind of circles of friends who I know that they will support me, they know where I am, what I was I'm trying to reach salvation, and, and to be, uh, to, and I can expect that I can find support from these people. Craig? I was just going to say you're 100% uh, you're right. Because I had a really good friend of mine who was quite a bit older than me, about 15, 20 years older than me. And he was a really solid Catholic. And um, as far as his knowledge of the faith was, and he was getting spiritual advice. He'd get really frustrated because this monk that he would go meet with this really elderly told him he was spending too much time trying to be successful in life. He was listening to way too much of worldly stuff, uh, finances and money. He was always worried about his kids getting this great education and making all this money and getting prominent, you know, positions. And But yet he was very big on, you know, the faith. And he wasn't detaching himself, I guess this is what he was telling me. The reason I bring this up is he would battle for this for years. He would, you know, he was, he knew every stock that you needed to buy. He knew every possible financial thing, how to save, all this kind of stuff. And then he ended up getting cancer. And when he got cancer, he ended up getting pretty bad. And I saw him a day before he died. And he said to me, he said, Everyone that I rub shoulders with in life, they're not here. He goes, all the real good Catholics that spent time praying for me and spent time, you know, doing different things, like, they were here. 
and he says for the last three months of this cancer, you know, he knew he was going to die. He says, I've never been closer to the Lord. And he says, I've gotten to spend so much time in silence with Christ. He says, I should have been doing this 30 years ago. You know, he, he just, he had that realization. And he tried to, you know, tell me that kind of stuff to kind of like warn me, you know, along with, you know, many other people he talked to. But uh, he had quite a transformation in the last five, six months of his life, you know. Well, you're right, and uh, and there's uh, some kind of like danger if we if I continue this this advice from Isaac Syrian that we can become very dry and cold if we are exposed to to um, circles or to people who don't share our ideas and uh, look one uh, my friend uh, we were together in seminary in one in one uh, uh, class he was Roman Catholic and uh, a great guy you know but after ordination, well, I didn't see him for a long time. I knew where he is in Paris, but well, we didn't meet. And then I was, I got my last parish was in the in the township when he was pastor of Roman Catholic Church. I was there. It was interesting. We had a good time. Don't take me wrong. It was good two years, but I could see change. He was very successful, you know, he did a lot of for this parish and, you know, in material way and reconstruction and upgrading things and he had wonderful connections, you know, that while he was helping even people, if they, somebody lost job, he could, he was able to find a job for that person because he had this, all these good connections. And he was hanging out with all these, as you said, these successful people and special people. And well, anyway, I I am not going to make a list of what he was doing. But he told me, "Okay, I can arrange everything, but something died here." Mm-hmm. He felt that. Yeah, that's what he told me. Yeah. You know, and uh, he suffered all from that. Mm-hmm. But he was like, he said, "Well, this is like." He said, probably Bishop should transfer me, you know, <laughs> to change air and everything would be different. Uh, so he could feel that, but he was not able to um, go out from this train. Mm-hmm. So you can, you can feel that, that, that you are pulled out somewhere. So it's very important <coughs> to keep this advice. All right. And let's continue another two paragraphs. The gift of sorrow and tears is one of the greatest gifts of God. It is a gift that is fundamentally essential for our salvation. The gifts of prophecy, prescience, and miracle working are signs that a person has especially pleased God and God has rewarded him. But the gift of compunction and tears is the sign of accepted or acceptable repentance. Sorrow in thoughts is a true gift of God. 
He who has it and keeps it as he must is like a person who keeps a holy object within himself. Physical ascetic labors without sorrow of the thoughts are like a body without a soul. Yeah. What we can see even in this paragraph is how often um, these writers, it's not because it's not only Bencher, you know, it's each this spiritual writer, how they return back again, again, again to, uh, and they repeat these basic conditions for good spiritual life. It is like always they, what they remind us, this contrition, contrition of heart, the spirit of repentance, um, that how this is important. And they remind us again and again because without that, really we cannot move on. And uh, uh, if we return back in memory, these beatitudes we were talking about, and the whole chapter, and actually it was introduced to us as uh, these beatitudes are like these steps towards which leads us to heaven, and you cannot skip, you have to keep these steps in order how they are uh, given to us. And there is like first one is, blessed are poor in spirit, because there is kingdom of God, and then follows, where is, uh, what is that, blessed are weeping? Mm -hmm. Is that? Okay. I. I yeah, but well, yes, uh, I don't have translation in front of me. But well, even even like in this, we can see that what is like condition that those are steps you have to have even to continue to grow, and. Uh, but but again, it seems like sad. It seems like annoying to be sad, poor in spirit, to have a spirit of repentance, and oh. But look, Christ calls these people blessed. Or maybe Patrick can help that there is this this uh, or in original this word means like super happy. Um, you can translate it. Euphoria? Uh, blessed. Uh, Beatitudes. Oh. Uh, because we, we bless our dolls, and but in original, this word means that like super happy are those who. I don't. I don't remember this word. I don't remember. In, in okay. Greek, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So he has this meaning, and well, it's strange because. You are super happy or really blessed and when you are crying, when you are poor in spirit. But in Beatitudes, Christ tells us, well, don't trust your broken understanding of things. There is like this, uh, in, uh, in um, the spiritual realm, things are a little bit different. You know, that... that um, if you are trying to reach this uh, um, spirit of repentance, 
that you are poor in spirit, that you know your poverty and you are uh, realizing that you're begging God, actually this brings you to super uh, happy state already here on earth because uh, slowly through purification you start to see um, see God to, to taste his grace and and it is something what what it's difficult to describe but it is something what like is foretaste of kingdom so so he again reminds us something what we already have and I think that uh, this is the same and and it it goes non-stop in this um, spiritual text the writings is a refrain you know this repentance um, uh, some kind of uh, uh, sorrow in heart it's like again 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 because there are like these main conditions for for growth in spiritual life and we should not be somehow annoyed by that and being temptation I know that so let's move on because we have to transform our hearts through this and in even in our liturgy it repeats that theme so how many times we say Lord have mercy Lord have mercy Lord have mercy and during whole liturgy we are asking for that spirit it leads us to acquire this spirit and even before Holy Communion, this prayer is again like calling to acquire this, this, this spirit of repentance and this state because only that we are able to see what Eucharist is, who the Eucharist is. Because it, blessed are those who are poor in spirit because, uh, blessed are who are seeing God, who, who will see God. Yes. So those are, are like the steps I have to do to come to this vision of Christ, to see God, to this mystical um, experience. And uh, so we, each liturgy is almost like training to acquire this spirit and and we are going through some kind of cleansing through this and hopefully in one time we'll be able to see all right so it's if there are no questions or comments nothing all right tears that are shed for one's sins at first seem bitter being shed due to pain and suffering in the spirit which are passed on from the spirit to the body. Little by little, these tears are united with consolation, consisting of unusual calmness, of a palpable sense of meekness and humility. At the same time, these tears, in the appropriate number and manner for the new consolation, themselves begin to change, becoming much less bitter and flowing with less pain or with none at all. At first, these new tears are stingy and come rarely. With time, little by little, 
they begin to appear more often and to flow more abundantly. When the gift of tears becomes strong in us through God's mercy, the unseen warfare becomes less violent. The thoughts begin to quiet down, and the prayer of the mind or the prayer of the heart begins to act in an especially developed way, enriching and giving joy to the inner man. This one part when you see in this paragraph that he was like looking to writing of Isaac Syrian and to say, well, this guy wrote it very well, so I will just <laughs> say it in different words, you know, because it's like almost identical uh, meaning. And uh, he, he tells us about how this gift uh, works in us, this gift of tears. And both of them, they are saying that in the beginning, these tears are painful, bitter, actually almost like hurting our body. Uh, so Isaac Syrian says this, this is this first type of tears, this is another one. And those are tears which cause they call them like second baptism, which helps with cleansing our soul. And we have to, uh, we have to uh, compare it, you know, when we realize, for example, when we realize that we caused to somebody very huge harm, problem, we've hurt the person, uh, when we realize that. So usually it is, it is this sharp pain in us which cause that we start to cry. It's painful tears because we, with pain, we, we feel what we have done and we start to really cry over that and even like we cannot stop and even like eyes starts to like burn and so this is this is this similar to this first type of tears when I am I am in front of God and I see what is in my heart and because of that I am moved by pain, by sorrow, or my uh, poverty and start to cry. Even like we heard before that, well, at the time when I realized that, it might be sometimes state, my soul, uh, my body can react without tears. But I have this movement in my, in my heart that I really, from my bottom of my heart, I, I am sorry. I, I see my fault. And they say, well, the Reginald says, at the time you should force, force yourself to tears. You know, at the time, if it is ungenuine. It's, it's good exercise because we are so cold that you can force. But, and then 
much easier these tears will come painful tears and uh, when we this exercise in, in us when we cry over our sins over our state and it's these tears are mixed with these are begging for mercy for God's grace so then after a while the second type of tears will come as he says at the least at first it will be like from here and there a little bit and then they will prevail and there will be more and more and and they say that this first type of tears causes some kind of almost physical pain the second type type it's like oil which smooth this this pain which we feel uh, this the second as a they they say well that it is like something like very pleasant tears that its bitterness taken this pain is taken it those are tears which are put out because soul is aware of God's grace and 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 understands that that she received grace of uh, mercy and and you those so these tears this sec the second part these second tears they are coming like without stopping it's tears of joy there is no pain there and it is not something what we can regulate it's it's just going out without even we want to hide them stop them we cannot we cannot like we are not like rulers over that we cannot stop it it will stop by itself and uh, Isaac Serin he says about this that these second tears they, they really cause this transformation and he says that that uh, those who got this gift and reached this second type of tears those tears almost like how somehow changed their face that is about this in these faces they are transformed by these tears but you can see there this deep joy you can see in eyes something what is you cannot express that like this person in face radiates something what what we like what is attractive for us but we cannot describe that and and you and this is true because it, I don't know if you are um, well you came to this um, the, the, well in the books there are a lot of these pictures of the saints who, who lived in the last century uh, so we we have their uh, pictures, photographs, and you can see that in this in their face is something radiating. You know that uh, something something. So you understand what Isaac is talking about. There is something there, and uh, well. So so we should not be. Um, 
somehow suspicious about this gift. God gives us those things which should help us to transform our soul and heart and and this transformation is visible even our own bodies. Those second tears that you were talking about, yes. are those that heavenly tears that you were talking about with the monk that was walking around saying liturgy and the, and the, the dirt turned to mud? Yeah. That's what that is? So yeah. it's, it's whatever, it's not really produced by him, I take it. It's more of a gift from the Holy Spirit. Well, even this first, it was this first, these painful tears are gift. You know, God gives this for purification. But well, when we go through this process of purification, heart and mind, and we reach slowly uh, this state when we we become rulers over ourselves, not passions. Those so those tears slowly start to stop these painful, bitter tears, and they, this the, the second type of tears will come. And yes, and you, this is this is true. It's true, and can you imagine that 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 like the, and and you can read it many in love with this many saints that uh, during liturgy or during these night vigils they had the morning when they finished their vigil so uh, while they were standing in mud, you know because of this abundance of tears and, and many times it is like uh, even like strange I read this comment of a visitor who saw that and he made this comment that this poor man he was fasting so much that he barely ate and barely drink from where those tears came you know where you know he he so it, it means that you he lost a lot of liquid in his body but well he was so like skinny and said well w from where this w this liquid came you know it's very interesting well but i don't want to make this this like this part like something what is curiosity something strange it is something that is real, and many of the saints they say that this gift of tears is given among first. Uh, first, uh, first is coming like fear of God is the first gift we are receiving, and then I would say that this would follow very soon. I I am not able to make now order of these gifts, but. They see our gift of tears as a, one of these basic gifts we are receiving for our spiritual life. And uh, we have to admit a, a little bit that it's difficult for us um, to, to listen to this in this like Western civilization because we were formed with some kind of maybe not this way that it is strange for us 
no and and uh, uh, but but if east is a little bit different even like mentality is different that that uh, over there so they they had this disposition i would say even through this mentality to to discover this gift and to value this gift you know and uh, especially i i'm not familiar with this literature or these communities like uh, middle east and you know like syria or something i i don't know but what i know is like because we had during communists area uh, we had for example only one channel then we had two but the second was only sport and something and TV and uh, you had just uh, polka music there uh, news and then Slovak or Russian movie you know Always, it was like propaganda a little bit, but uh, nobody was watching that too much. But uh, I remember that if we knew that, well, there will be, there were like jokes that it was written that title Russian movie, Soviet movie, comedy. I saw well, we are going to cry. <laughs> it was because, and you could see even like in comedy. When you were watching that, some were good, you know, don't take me wrong, but usually majority was. But even there you could see this this mentality of Russian soul that they had it had to be drama in every scene and tears and these big movements of soul and this dramatic but they it is real life. They live this way, they live like that. You know, they they make this huge drama and, and this pain of soul and uh, and if you uh, read Dostoevsky, it's it's there. You you can feel this this spirit of this Eastern soul. So if you understand that, so you would say that when they read about this gift, they understood totally what he's talking about. You know, they were like open. We have difficulties with this gift. Because somehow we were taught to maybe control our mm-hmm. ourselves too much or to be more logical or, you know. Uh, and, uh, and because they had different approach, so they had this ability to penetrate uh, mystery of this gift, you know, mm. um, uh, like deeper and well. But try to to gain from that as much as we can. All right. Let's have another one. We have a few minutes. <clears throat> then the veil of the passions is lifted from the mind, and the mystical teaching of Christ is revealed to it. Then bitter tears are transformed into tears of sweetness and joy. Then spiritual consolation appears in the heart, a joy that has no comparison with the joys of earth and is known only to those who labor in prayerful sorrow and have the gift of tears. Then the promise of God is made real. 
Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Then the ascetic greets you according to the inspiration and promise of the Holy Spirit. The Lord preserveth the simple. I humbled myself, and he saved me. Turn then into thy rest, O my soul, for the Lord hath prospered thee. For he hath delivered my soul from death, mine eyes from tears, and my feet from stumbling. Then the ascetic, seeing the imp impotence of the sinful thoughts and feelings, begins more and more to subdue them to his influence, boldly saying to them, Away from me, all ye that work iniquity, for the Lord hath heard the voice of my weeping. The Lord hath heard my petition. The Lord will receive my prayer. Okay, so in, the, uh, in this paragraph, Brianchino gives us several like signs um, what is happening when we receive this gift of tears. The first sign we can recognize is that passions are come down, that we uh, are gaining some kind of of rule over. They are like pushed away. They are still present, but we don't fight with them with some kind of um, strength. Not strength. They don't bother us. Then the second sign is clarity of God's Christ teaching. The suddenly gospel comes like in some kind of fullness and he really like uh, opens like this this world for us, God's world for us and suddenly everything makes like sense. Then another sign is this this presence of this the second type of tears, which brings like peace. And then it is spiritual consolation that we experience this oil of these tears, which smooth our soul, that we brings our relief to uh, to to these wounds which we have, to, or these these tensions in our soul. And uh, another sign is some kind of courage that we stand firmly against sinful desires, thoughts, that there is this kind of boldness when we start to fight with that. And uh, this boldness comes because these tears or this activity of this gift uh, causes that we start to see that those passions or temptations are nothing or they lose power they they don't have power in the soul which is filled with god's grace that soul which god filled with this god's grace has power to resist but he says that um, well it reminds us too that that f the fullness of understanding of this state is only those can have this understanding who experience that we can read about that we can 
know all this teaching of Isaac's branch, I know Climacus, uh, all these, all these big teachers. Uh, but still, it it is we have to experience that if we want to understand that. So, but those signs um, should help us uh, to realize or to to find out if we are going to correct incorrect way. Oof, hard stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, for newer who are here, so we. You started very difficult and difficult uh, um, things. So I admire your courage. Mm-hmm.